This morning's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 10, 1 to 33. Uh, let me start with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, please open the eyes of our understanding and prepare our hearts as we study your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cornelius calls for Peter. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius and centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon uh, was who who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Peter at Cornelius' house. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that this is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, 
so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Nice to see you and worship together face to face. Well, last week we heard that Peter has been traveling on his missionary journey as a leader to heal a paralytic and then was called to go to Joppa where Tabitha was dead. Jesus healed the paralytic and raised Tabitha at these respective locations and the people will believe the gospel. When last we heard, Peter was still in Joppa, residing with Simon the Tanner. Today we are going to take a look at a Gentile, a Roman centurion named Cornelius. In other words, when he is converted, God is officially bringing Gentiles into the kingdom of God as Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, we are going to take a look at the Gentile, a Roman. Sorry. Acts chapter 10 is a major turning point in the development of the early church. Liu understood its significance and dedicated 66 verses. Just imagine that. From Acts chapter 1, uh, chapter 10 verse 1 to chapter 11 verse 18 to drill with this narrative. Cornelius' vision is described four times, and Peter's vision is described twice in this narrative. This event is a crucial step to the spread of the gospel. We saw how the gospel broke through the social and cultural barriers to the Samaritans and Ethiopians in Acts chapter 8. And now in Acts chapter 10, we will see how the gospel breaks through a much greater barrier to the Gentile and Roman influence. Our text this morning tells us that Cornelius, a Roman centurion, was a devout and God-fearing man. The outward evidence of his heart seeking after God was seen in his leading his household, giving many alms, to the Jews and praying to God continually. As a God-fearer, Cornelius would have been someone that kept the Sabbath, attended the synagogue and followed Jewish dietary laws. He was not circumcised nor had he undergone Jewish proselyte baptism. He was a good man by human standards. But he was not yet saved, for good works cannot save the individual. So in verse 3 tells us that one day, at about ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., God gave Cornelius a vision in which an angel of God came to him and told him that his prayers and arms have ascended to heaven as a memorial before God. His prayers were being answered. The angel gives instruction for Cornelius to send for Peter, Simon Peter 
in Joppa. That is recorded in verses 4 to 6. He obeyed the instruction immediately and sent two of his servants along with one his devout soldiers. That description of the soldier indicates that Cornelius had influenced his soldiers by his examples of godliness and devotion. Verses 7 and 8. In Acts chapter 11, verse 14, we find out that the angel had also told him, And he, that means Peter, shall speak words to you by which you will be saved, and you and all your household. Cornelius is not yet saved, but he will find out from Peter how he and his household could be saved. While these two servants and the soldiers were making the 53 trip from Caesarea to Joppa, the Lord is also preparing Peter, depending on how fast they could walk. It would have taken between 10 to 15 hours to make the journey. If including the time it would have taken for the group to assemble, they would most likely have made the trip over two days. The next day, about noon, while the men were coming, Peter went up on the roof to pray. The roof of the houses uh, in Israel were often flat and used as living space. That is common to this day in the land. Verse 10 tells us that Peter was praying while lunch was being prepared. And being hungry, he fell into trance. Not surprisingly, he dreamt about food. But the vision was strange. He saw all sorts of animals, crawling creatures and birds come <coughs> load on a great sheet from heavens. He was then commanded to arise, kill, and eat. Verse 13. Peter, being a devout Jew, objected strongly to this command, explaining that he had never eaten any impure or any unclean. However, the voice from heaven explained that do not call anything impure that God has made clean followed by the command again for him. Arise, kill, and eat. Verse 15. This entire vision was repeated to Peter three times. God was emphatic. God, has making, <clears throat> God was making sure Peter knew that he wanted, he make it crystal clear. And Peter understood that this was a very important message. But he was not sure of what to make of it. Peter was a man stuck in tradition and culture. He was unable to break free from its shackles and intolerance. His traditions and culture would not allow him to actively begin to mission to the Gentiles. Yet there is reason to believe that the gospel of grace had begun 
to change Peter's mind and attitude towards other people. We are told in verse 6 that Peter was staying in Joppa, in the house of Simon the tanner. The tanning trade was considered an unclean trade, for the people involved with it killed unclean animals, worked in blood, and were in constant contact with other things which might make them unclean. Most Orthodox Jews would never have considered staying in such a place. Yet, Peter did. In Peter's vision, the clean animals represent the Jews, and the unclean animals represent the Gentiles. God was indicating that both Jews and Gentiles would be mixed together in the church. God was telling Peter that there would be no more barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles. God accepts both Jews and Gentiles in his church. God was preparing Peter's heart for his work. The timing of this could only have been orchestrated by the Lord. It is no coincidence that the man from Caesarea arrived at Simon the tenant's house while Peter was still confused and trying to figure out what the vision meant. Verse 17 They didn't go in at first because they were Gentiles and did not want to defile the Jewish home. They were respectful of Jewish customs. The Spirit directed Peter to meet these three men and to go with them without misgiving or hesitancy, for God had sent them himself. Verses 19-20 to While they were asking for Simon at the door, Peter went downstairs and spoke with the messengers from Cornelius. They told Peter why they came seeking him. Peter invited them in as his house guests. Verse 23. This alone is a radical step. This was a great step forward for Peter. Peter invited his guests in and gave them lodging then went to Caesarea with them the next day. Peter knew that this was going to cause a stir. So he took six trusted brethren from Joppa to go with him to Cornelius' house, as the law required three testimonies. Peter made sure he doubled up so that he would be no quest- there would be no question to what was taking place that we can refer to chapter 11, verse 12, there was a six people there. So the following days, he arrived in Caesarea. Verses 23 to 24 show another step in the steady progress Peter has been making in moving out his prejudice. He had been present at the conversions of the Samaritans and learn to accept Samaritan believers as brothers in the Lord. He had been traveling through land where there were Gentiles, but he had not yet 
taken the gospel to them. He was currently staying with a tanner. And while godly Jews usually shun such tradesmen, Peter had overcome that prejudice. This next step in accepting Gentiles mentioned in verse 23 would have been very difficult. Straight Jews would have nothing to do with Gentiles. They would neither host nor be hosted by Gentiles. They would not eat food prepared by Gentiles. Cooking utensils purchased from a Gentile had to be purified before they could be used by a Gent- uh, Jews. Jews that travel through Gentiles' land would shake the off, uh, would shake the dust off their shoes as they re-enter Israel, so as to remove the contamination and not bring it upon Israel's soil. So you can just imagine how straight are the customs. There is reason to believe that the gospel grace has begun to change Peter's mind and attitude towards other people. Peter was being moved out of his prejudice by his obedience to the Lord's command, both in detail and in spirit. When Peter arrives, he finds that Cornelius has gathered his relative and close friend together. When Peter entered the house of the centurion, he and all his companions were again breaking the Mosaic law. Peter was stepping out of his comfort zone, but he was doing exactly what God had instructed and what God wanted. God was up to something major, a major shift, and God was using the obedience of Peter, the hard-headed disciple, to be the one to lead the charge into the unknown. God was opening the door for the gospel to be taken to all men, all women, all races, to the whole world. We know this was God's plan from the beginning, but for Peter, this was a major shift in what he had known. As Peter entered the house, recorded in verse 25, Cornelius met him, and fell at his feet in reverence. It seemed natural enough that Cornelius would fall down at Peter's feet to worship him. After all, an angel of the Lord had commanded Cornelius to send for Peter. So Cornelius assumed that Peter is at least a god messerity. Or at most, a deity. Peter quickly corrected him that such reverence or worship is not proper. For he is only a man and worship is to be reserved for God alone. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Peter began 
by explaining that God had changed his understanding of what was holy and what was not so that he was able to overcome the prejudicious traditions of Judaism that would have previously prevented him from coming and associating with Gentiles. This explanation by Peter is important as it would not only show his humility but so also help establish his trustworthiness. If Peter had not given an explanation, then he could have been held suspect as someone who was not devout. For the Gentiles were well aware of Jewish custom towards them. Verses 28 and 29. Peter then asked the reason they had sent for him. Cornelius then explained the vision that he had four days earlier and then asked Peter to present to them what God had commanded. Note that they recognize that they are in the presence of God to listen. Verse 33. They were not there out of curiosity, but out of a deep desire to know God and His will. This was a serious occasion for them. Note as well that they wanted to know what God had commanded Peter to tell them. The word command is a term used for military commands. It is a word that recognizes the authority and necessity of obedience. Cornelius was ready for the Lord's orders, which he would then obey. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. Peter first admitted he now understood that God is interested in the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And God does not show favoritism. But except from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter then preached Christ to them, clearly identifying him as Jesus of Nazareth and pointing out that they were already aware of his life and character. His good works, healing and casting out demons clearly demonstrated that God was with Jesus. 36 to 38. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life, death and resurrection. That is verses 39 to 41. Peter also points out that Jesus had ordered them to proclaim Jesus. Peter highlighted that God has appointed Jesus as judge of the living and the dead. And Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Verse 43. This is the heart of the gospel message. Believe in the Jesus of the scriptures results in forgiveness of sin. While Peter was still speaking, 
the Holy Spirit came on his audience. Verse 44. They believed that Peter said, and the Holy Spirit came on them. Prior to baptism and prior to laying on of hands by anyone. The Holy Spirit is not controlled by man. There was no delay in the hope. The Spirit coming here as with the Samaritans. So Peter and several of the brethren from Joppa were already present as witnesses. These witnesses were needed in order to convince the Jews in Jerusalem of what Peter had come to believe. By the vision the Lord had given to him and by his witness experience. The gospel and the new covenant, praise the Lord, are now available to the Gentiles. This is only the second time that speaking in tongues is clearly manifested in Acts. That's verse 46. It is again fulfilling its purpose and its use of the Lord to convince Peter of the genuineness of the salvation that he had come upon these Gentiles. In addition, this text also showed that salvation come prior to baptism. It is the spirit that saved and it is the spirit that is the evidence of salvation. Baptizing an un unregenerated man, he only gets you a wet sinner. But a sinner that has the Holy Spirit come upon him is regenerated to new life in Christ. This is the other side of the issues of baptism. It is not something to be put off by those who profess to be saved. Because the Holy Spirit had come upon these Gentiles, Peter pointed out that there could be no reason for them to be refused or delayed in being baptized. And he ordered it to be done. Verse 47 and 48. Apparently, Peter did not baptize the Gentile believers personally, but all the other Christians, presumably those who accompanied him from Joppa to administer it. The chapter ends with, Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. While this verse does not explicitly tells us that Peter accepted this invitation, it strongly implies it, just as there was no reason to withhold the water of baptism from the Gentiles, there was no reason for Peter to decline the Gentiles' uh, hospitality. We can assume that Peter stayed with them for a few days to build them up in their faith. It is amazing, isn't it? Just not long ago, Peter would have refused the hospitality of a Gentile's home and table because he believed that it was God's will that Jews should maintain their separate 
separateness from Gentiles. But now he accepted their hospitality. Now let's summarize the lesson we have learned this morning into two main headings. First, God works, uh, good works. It is important that we realize this man, Cornelius, had a number of good religious works. But those works had not saved him. Something was missing in his relationship with God. Look at what all he had done. Verse 2 says he was a devout man. He feared God. He gave many alms to the Jewish people. And he prayed to God continually. So this, is, this was a very religious guy. And yet he was still not right with God. The angel appeared to him in a vision and told him to send for Peter. There was a message that he still needed to hear and respond to. Despite all his religious needs, this is an important lesson. Regardless of all his religious deeds, right? He need Jesus. He still need Jesus. If Cornelius could have been saved by his religious works, God would have left him alone. But he couldn't. With all his good works, Cornelius still needed Jesus. He still needed to be saved. And so do you. Second, Peter's conversion. It is God who breaks down the barrier of human tradition and culture. It is God who initiated the Gentile mission and brought Cornelius into the church as a full member. It was God who took step to let others hear about the dying and rising of Christ. Note the following. It is God who sent an angel to Cornelius with a message to send for Peter. And it is God who came to Peter in that strange and marvelous vision. It is the Spirit of God who commands Peter to go with the man from Caesarea. It is God who compelled Peter to enter the home for a Gentile. And it is God who made Peter declare the gospel of Christ to Cornelius. Peter parted with his traditions and culture because of the Lord's leading. Out went Peter's observance of clean and unclean food. Out went Peter's observance of no fellowship with Gentiles. It was God's Spirit which allowed Peter to make the leap from impure or unclean food to impure or unclean people. So Peter himself says in verse 28, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. The Spirit of the Lord taught Peter a most important lesson in our story, that no person, after Jesus Christ's great work of atonement, 
is to be considered unclean merely because of culture or ethnic origin. As the Apostle Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentiles, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Peter has learned his lesson, and it is obvious from what he said in our text, verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God has no favorites. He does not favor one nation over another. God does not show favoritism. Therefore, no race, language, people, tribes, or nation are exempt from his salvation. Therefore, no race, language, people, tribe, or nation can claim salvation only for themselves. Amen. May God bless you.